from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Getting the work done, no matter the weather. We don't get vacations. It's every day, 24-7, 365. See how one rancher is working amid these Arctic conditions. The extreme cold snap, not just hard on cattle, but potentially the winter wheat crop. And could Brazil be dealing with another bin buster when it comes to soybeans? There's still enough variables out there that could make it that. But right now, I think we're probably in the 147 to 150 area. The latest estimates we're hearing right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when blood, sweat, and tears meet rain, wind, and sun. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. USDA is forecasting lower production this year for Brazil when it comes to both corn and soybeans. But those numbers could go even lower due to recent weather concerns. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins me. Michelle, some private estimates are predicting the lowest yield for soybeans in 15 years in Brazil. Yeah, Clinton, Brazil's soybean crop estimates have continued to fall, but the market has largely disregarded it with improved weather there and the offset of Argentina's rebound in production, still resulting in a record crop in South America. So we asked experts how big are Brazil's crop losses and how much of a cut is needed to rally the market. Brazil has had one of the worst droughts in the last 40 years in the central and northern production areas. And meteorologist Kirk Hinn says it hit 50 to 70 percent of this prime ground. In terms of comparison versus the last 40 years, we'll talk about precipitation. A lot of areas, in fact, all areas are top five driest in terms of since October, November, December. I would say 60 percent. I would say we're down on average 60% on rainfall. There's some areas that are 75, 80%. However, the soybean market has taken out weather premiums since rain started falling around the first of the year. But meteorologist Eric Snodgrass is skeptical the rain came in time to reverse the damage. No, I don't think it did. And even the stuff that was planted late, remember that endured a lot of heat in the early vegetative stages. And so the crop overall has been compromised in the north. Conab pegged Brazilian soybeans at around 156 million metric tons, with private estimates this week down to 135. And Darren Fry with Water Street Solutions thinks that's possible. Yeah, I've been at 140 quite a while. I just think that we have a 15% decline off of 162, 165. And so I've been kind of thinking that for a long time. I haven't been proven right yet, but I could see the market uh, coming around to that, especially if we turn warmer and drier here in the extended forecast. However, Arlen Suderman with StoneX thinks it's still too early to cut Brazil's soybeans that much. It's possible. I don't think it is. We're still watching for evidence of that. There's still enough variables out there that could make it that. But right now, I think we're probably into 147 to 150 area. And he doesn't think soybeans will rally without confirmation of not just a smaller Brazil crop, but increased demand from China and other export customers. That probably takes a Brazilian crop somewhere in the low to mid 140s before we start million metric tons, before we shrink it enough, the South American crop as a whole, to require buyers to come back to us before we harvest our crop. Until then, Brazil's new crop soybeans are much lower priced than the U.S. for February and March delivery. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day.
All right, thanks, Michelle. The continental cold snap has agronomists worried about the winter wheat crop here at home, although it's still too early to know exactly how much winter kill occurred. Now take a look at these low temperatures from USDA. Anywhere from 5 to nearly 50 below zero occurred between January 12th and the 16th. Winter wheat can survive these bitterly cold temperatures if insulated by at least a couple inches of snow. However, in places like Montana, there was very little snow cover leading to concern about the crop in portions of the northern plains. Temperatures plummeting into the minus 30 to minus 50 degree range. There is certainly some concern for winter kill for that wheat, especially coming off a record warm December. Rippey says in the number one production state of Kansas, there was a good blanket of snow that should have helped protect the crop and the moisture will also improve conditions as the state warms up in the next week ahead. A brief break from the winter storm is coming to an end. We will see that system then arriving across the Midwest as we move into Thursday and into Friday with some more snow falling there and then in the east, we'll see another round of either rain or snow, depending on how far north or south you are as we move into Friday. And that system will also usher in one more cold snap that will be focused across the northern plains, the Midwest and the Northeast. And then Rippy says by this time next week, we'll be looking at above normal temperatures for much of the nation. All that cold air also producing steam. Check out the scene in Chicago as freezing temperatures this week collided with a marginally warmer Lake Michigan, turning the Great Lake into what looked like a great big hot tub. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht joins us. And Matt, that next round is bringing heavy mountain snows to the northwest and the Rockies. As you look at uh, that snowfall, you're going to see kind of two systems work in and across the United States with some of the cold air before we really start to turn back towards the warmer this time next week. So this is through about 11 o'clock at night on Thursday. It got uh, some light snow and maybe two to four inches of snowfall uh, coming through with this first system and then ramping up with some significant lake effect snow uh, in and across uh, portions of uh, Michigan City into Indiana, as well as on the other side uh, of the lake as well. Where we're going to sit uh, and possibly that pick up a good six plus inches of snowfall. Lake effect snow bands notorious for possibly putting down even a foot of snow. But you see where that snow has come through into Saturday morning. It got to a band of about two to four and then heavier amounts in the higher terrain and of course where that lake effect snow band sets up. So that's through about seven o'clock in the morning on Saturday. But that snow machine hasn't turned off for everyone. Check out Buffalo on Wednesday, if you can see it there. The area is dealing with a lot of lake effect snow, and after and that's after seeing a lot of snow last weekend. Snow totals in some spots were expected to exceed four feet, not inches, four feet. I'll have more in your forecast coming up. Tyson Foods earlier this week announced it was temporarily scaling back meatpacking operations at some U.S. facilities due to the winter blast. Now it said on Tuesday it was working to fulfill customer orders at other locations. You'll remember a week ago, Tyson and Cargill actually suspended operations at beef plants in Kansas due to a powerful snowstorm. Cattle slaughter was only 546,000 head last week and 114,000 on Tuesday, almost 15,000 head lower 
than a year ago. The clock is once again ticking for Congress to avoid a government shutdown. On Friday, funding for military construction, veteran affairs, housing and urban development, transportation and energy, and agriculture will run out. Anything not covered under that first deadline is covered through February 2nd. Now the Senate is moving to establish two new funding deadlines of March 1st and March 8th. The goal is to avoid a partial government shutdown and give appropriators more time to write the fiscal year 2024 funding bills that agree with the top line agreement reached by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Speaker Mike Johnson. Work continues to deliver full year appropriations through regular order. Shutting down the government even part of it would interrupt this important progress. In order to prevent that partial shutdown, the House and Senate have to pass a short-term funding extension and get it to the president's desk. The deadline is 11.59 p.m. Eastern on Friday. One lawmaker who may not appear in person to vote for a few days is Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. He's in the hospital, according to his team, on Tuesday. Now, they say the 90-year-old is receiving antibiotic infusions to treat an infection, adding that he's in good spirits and expected to return to work as soon as possible. He is currently the Senate's oldest member following the recent death of Senator Dianne Feinstein of California back in September. South Dakota State has announced it is shutting down its dairy research and training facility. Now, it's reported it will close by the end of June. Reports are that the university exhausted all fundraising opportunities and attempts to modify plans for a workable solution. Red River Farm Network saying that the university has plans to work with large dairy farms in the area in order to give students a hands-on experience. Degrees in dairy will still be offered and production will still go on at the Davis Dairy Plant. Now it says the dairy farm has about 300 Head of cattle. The Philippines has announced it's banning poultry imports from California and Ohio. It says it's due to several outbreaks of avian influenza. The ban covers imports of domesticated and wild birds, including poultry meat and eggs. Last year, the country imported more than 166,000 tons of poultry products from the U.S., which is the second largest supplier to the Southeast Asian nation and accounts for 40% of imports there. Soybean futures are nearing the $12 per bushel mark. We'll take a look at what's pulling prices lower coming up next. And later, we're off to Arkansas to spend a day with a rancher focused on protecting the herd during these cold winter days in the country. Bring new technology, knowledge, and opportunity together at Ag Innovation 2024 in Kansas City on February 13th. Register today to take part in the event. The market's midweek getting fresh numbers about China's economy. Now it's reported that China's economy grew 5.2% last year that's faster than the 4.8% growth in the third quarter of last year, but less than the market was expecting. Activity data for December showed that industrial production rose the most in almost two years, but retail sales increased the least in three months, and the surveyed jobless rate edged up to a four-month high. Experts say Beijing is continuing to feel the impact of a prolonged property crisis 
persistently weak consumption and global turmoil. Corn rebounded a bit on Wednesday after hitting a fresh contract low. Michelle Rook joins us with a deeper dive in markets now. A lower day in the grain markets on Wednesday. Ellison Thompson with the Money Farm joining us. And Ellison, soybeans and soybean milk kind of led the losses. So was that all technical selling or did the market get caught up in this trend of GDP news? Yeah, probably a little bit of both, to be honest with you. Um, overnight, we saw the Chinese economic data come out. Obviously not friendly. Uh, weak economic data there doesn't help our demand outlook here. So we did see some steep losses when we got to the office this morning and honestly just continued to go down from there. We did see a small reprieve, but not enough to spark some new buying. And the market did continue to sell off with the steepest losses coming in at the end of the session, down about 20 cents. And now we're retesting lows from last week, which are pretty important to hold. If we're unable to hold that 1203 area and see the bulls defend it, we definitely could see another 30 to 50 cents lower um, in the soybean market. Uh, before we see any type of reprieve. We know that the market's oversold, but that doesn't mean it can't go lower. Corn also scoring new contract low. Did it just get pulled down by soybeans or do we still have report hangover or what? You know, actually, once we did hit the new low, we did see some reprieve in the market and we did kind of bounce off of that. And actually towards the, the highs um, and resistance levels, 448. Um, has been a key level and we tested it today, couldn't get enough buying to go through it. So we did end up trading down today. Uh, but so far that 440 level will be key to, to hold here. If not, we could continue to go down. And Allison, not a good day in the wheat market, both Kansas City and Minneapolis making new contract lows again. Yeah, it's really just discerning to see, especially when we got a friendly USD report last Friday and the market's just not trading it. Um, and a lot of it, I think, does stem back to the higher U.S. dollar, um, definitely weighing on our exports and, and not seeing any new business there hitting the market. And on top of that, um, we do have better snow coverage um, for the winter wheat, um, good moisture and setup there. We just don't have a whole lot of fresh news. Export demand continues to go to Russia, Ukraine area. We're not seeing any, any new fresh news to make the bulls want to step up. Right, thanks for joining us, Allison Thompson with The Money Farm. Love we'll Egg Day coming up. Well, what to expect it coming up for Thursday before a big shift towards the warmer coming up next week for a good part of the nation. This is Thursday at 11 o'clock in the morning. See the way the lines set up will carry some light snow in and across the Midwest and rain uh, in through uh, parts of the southeast. Again, there's Thursday at 10 p.m. Uh, but these lines give us an idea how that wind is going to change direction and set up uh, some significant lake effect snow, possibly Friday into Friday night and then coming to an end the Saturday morning for a portion of the, uh, the Midwest, but also uh, back into you see those lake effect snow bands really starting to crank uh, with that parent low moving off to the north into the east. Ridge of high pressure tries to build in as early as Sunday morning. That's what these lines are They're scooting up here towards the north, and that is a big signal for warmer, quiet weather in and across the United States. Still could be some moisture out there, but it's going to be mainly rain across the nation. Again, there's Sunday at 7 p.m. The jet stream overall just kind of confirms that pattern that we are seeing that we just went through a good 10, maybe 14 day period of some very cold air 
in and across the nation. And we'll start to move that cold air out and that ridge will start to build back in as early as Sunday and then by Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, it is looking like uh, above average temperatures in and across the United States. Another trough uh, tries to dig back out here to the west, but we're kind of getting back into uh, a similar pattern that we had mainly in December where your coldest air is going to be locked back up here towards the north and we really don't see a return uh, to below average temperatures for a large portion of the nation uh, until possibly the start uh, of February, if not um, maybe even the middle of February. But this takes us through the 26th of January uh, with again the warmer than average conditions, not only uh, high confidence there into Michigan, uh, but also into Pennsylvania. But 99% of the United States are looking at above average temperatures between January 22nd and January 26th. We'll start off in Austin, uh, Minnesota. We got evening snow showers high around eight, low of five below. What about Austin, Texas? Sunny high around 70 degrees and then Austin, Nevada, partly cloudy, high of 39 degrees. There's new resistance to lab grown meat. We'll have details next and later, not inside, but out. This Arkansas rancher is working to protect the herd during those frigid temperatures. A day in the life in the country. Drover's Report on Ag Day is brought to you by Neogen. Discover your possibilities and enhance your herd's potential. Arizona could soon ban lab-grown meat. Two bills have been introduced by two state Republican lawmakers. One would prohibit the sale or production of any cell-cultured animal product for human or animal consumption. Another would put restrictions on how meat alternatives in cell-cultured meats are represented and labeled. A similar measure was introduced a couple of months ago in Florida. Now, so far, the FDA has approved two companies to sell lamb-grown meat using cultivated cells. They are Upside Foods and Good Meat. Italy became the first country to ban the sale of lamb-grown meat late last year. The largest contiguous ranch in Kansas has new owners. Whitetail Properties Real Estate says the nearly 45,000-acre P5 Ranch recently sold. That ranch is located in Hamilton in Kearney County. It's about 24 miles west of Garden City. It consists of pasture land and more than 2,700 acres of pivot irrigated and dry land tillable ground. It has the ability to support up to 8,000 head of cattle. It's also considered prime hunting ground and the ranch comes with a large log cabin and four ranch houses for employees. While the sale price wasn't disclosed, Whitetail Properties described it as top of the market. The company says the former owner's decision to sell was based on not wanting to burden the next generation with the future responsibility of selling or handing off the ranch. Now, one thing ranchers do focus on is making sure their animals are well taken care of during these winter months. Up next, a day in the life of an Arkansas cattleman as he weathers the storm with the herd. As we've been reporting, the dangerously cold temperatures pose many challenges for farmers and ranchers. At Flying Sea Ranch, Michael Lee shows us how he's protecting his animals in this report, courtesy of the Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today we're going to be feeding cows. First thing we'll be doing is putting out some really good hay. They're eating a ton of hay right now. The most important thing you do is put out good quality hay. Probably put out supplemental feed along with the hay as well. 
Number two, we're going to be breaking ice. So this will be our first time to break ice. We'll probably break some after lunch and break some in the evening. So you're breaking two or three times a day. One of the things you got to watch are the animals. You know, make sure they can get out of this weather, you know, especially the wind. A lot of precipitation like this, you just got to be aware of if there's any sick animals out there. But as long as you keep out good hay, some bedding for them, and some supplemental feed, good minerals, they should make it through it. You know, they're like us, they eat a lot more and it gets cold. The two babies over there, they're our little orphan calves, twin girls, and so we got to feed them twice a day. That's the girls' jobs because they're really expensive animals right now because they have a bunch of milk. The cold, it's tiring. It takes a toll on the farmer and, and we don't get vacations. It's every day, 24-7, 365. It'll be okay. Our thanks to the Arkansas Farm Bureau for sharing that story. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. We'll all of us here at Ag Day and Clinton with us. Have a great day.